Welcome to Words of Grace, radio ministry of Elder Ben Winslet, pastor of the Flint River Primitive Baptist Church near Huntsville, Alabama. We invite you to stay tuned to today's broadcast. We're so excited at the privilege of having you in our listening audience today here at Words of Grace. We always love hearing from those who listen to us, so if you listen over the airwaves or over Grace Alone Radio, or you tune in via our podcast and our church website, whatever the way is that you listen, we would love to hear from you. You can go to our church website, which is found at flintriverpbc.org, and find a variety of ways to get in contact with us here at Words of Grace. If you have a Bible question, we would be delighted to try to answer that for you. If you're looking for a church in your area, we would try to put you in contact with the church as well. Whatever we can do to help you, it's our privilege to do so. And again, we're thankful that you're listening. If you listened to Words of Grace last week, you might recall that we shared the first half of a message on the wild gathering from the book of Luke chapter 8. This wild gathering's name is Legion, and he's a man that no one else in the world could help. He was afflicted with a plurality of devils, demons, that attempted to harm him, that were destructive to him, and because of that, he was basically driven from society to live in the wilderness, in the caves, and in the tombs. He's preoccupied with death. He's cutting himself. He's harming himself, because that's what devils always do. They try to harm you and get you to harm yourself. But here comes the Lord Jesus Christ, and Jesus does for this particular man what no one else can do. As we'll see on the day's broadcast, Jesus calls the devils out of this man, and there's no sort of a competition for power between the Lord Jesus and these devils. Jesus simply speaks, and he casts these devils out of this man. Now, as we all probably know from personal experience, and as will be demonstrated here, you don't have a one-on-one encounter with Jesus of this sort and go away the same way that Jesus found you. No, this man legion would be found clothed in his right mind and sitting at the feet of Jesus. And lastly, today we'll discuss how this is a great picture of evangelism. There are many things that you and I might not know as far as theology or the correct understanding to difficult scriptures. But one thing we do know, we know what the Lord Jesus has done for us in our own personal lives. And I believe that that's one of the greatest tools that we have at our disposal as we go share the gospel with people to show, as this man Legion would go and do, what great things God has done for us. And so here's part two, the conclusion of this message, entitled, The Wild Gadarene. Now, let's make a few observations from this so far with what we've studied. Number one, this shows that there are invisible demonic forces at work in the world at all times. In our materialistic world, we view everything. And when I say materialism, I don't mean like I like possessions. It doesn't mean that I like possessions. It means that we view everything through the worldview that we are but matter. And there's no spiritual. But according to the Word of God, there is spiritual, invisible, that we do not see in the world, battling it out at all times. Paul says in Ephesians 6, we wrestled not against flesh and blood. Now, we do wrestle against flesh and blood, right? Well, sometimes. But against principalities, against powers, 
against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. What sort of wickedness? Materialistic? No, spiritual wickedness in high places. That tells us that sometimes when things happen in this world, there is a spiritual root to it that is not necessarily physical. There are demonic forces at work in the world. One of the most interesting passages to me in all of the Bible, and especially in the book of Daniel, is when Daniel prays, and Daniel prays, and all of a sudden an angel comes to him, and he says, I would have been here sooner, but I was doing battle with the prince of Persia. Angels doing battle with other forces in this world? Now again, please don't misunderstand that as saying that there's a stalemate between good and evil. God has all power. And at that last day, every knee shall bow, including the knee of Satan, and he will confess that Jesus is Lord. But in the world in which we live, there is a battle that we don't even see between the forces of good and the forces of evil. Angels doing battle with demons, with devils. Number two, as we think about just what we've studied so far, At least some of what we consider today from a purely materialistic perspective to be mental illness has a source other than the brain. Now, we have to be very careful with this subject. Why? Because in the 1990s, some ideas were popularized among those who practice so-called nalphetic counseling that every mental illness had a spiritual root, and so if you're sad, there's some sin in your life, confess the sin and you'll be happy. If you're schizophrenic, there must be some sin in your life, confront the sin, confess the sin, and you'll be healed of your schizophrenia. Guess what? The brain is an organ, and the brain can be sick like the kidneys, like the liver, like the stomach, like the skin, like the lungs, like the heart. The brain can be sick. When the brain is sick, mental illness is something that happens. You know, brain chemicals such as dopamine, and I'm not going to engage in psychobabble up here. What is psychobabble? We'll figure it out. If you have Parkinson's disease, your brain does not release enough dopamine. It's one of the problems. A schizophrenic's brain releases too much dopamine, No one would tell a person suffering from Parkinson's disease, you just need to confess the sin and you'll be healed of Parkinson's disease, would they? No, that would be cruel and evil to say to someone afflicted with that. I've known good godly people, deacons and preachers, to be afflicted with that. It had nothing to do with them harboring secret sin. Their brain had an issue. Their body was sick. While we don't want to say every cause of depression or anxiety or mental illness is spiritual, at the same time, we don't want to go to the opposite extreme and say that it's never spiritual, because many times it is. Many times it is. When little boys are convinced by their parents that they can choose what they can be, And all of a sudden, we have a plethora of young men in this society who thinks that they're young women. Much of that so-called, and it is mental illness, has a spiritual root. To be as plain as I can be, that is atypical. That is not normal. That's not right. And when that happens, 
There's mental illness involved. Up until the last five years in medical books, mental illness is involved. And I dare say that much of that mental illness today has a spiritual root behind it. It's not purely a physical issue. There's a spiritual root. So point number two, much of what we consider mental illness as a source other than the brain or is at least the illness or at least the illness in the brain is hijacked by demonic forces. So let's say a person's brain has issues and they are diagnosed schizophrenic. What does a demon come along and do to that person? Oh, he has a field day with it. He has a field day with it. You know Satan capitalizes on your weaknesses. If you have no temptation at all as a woman to think you are a man, that's probably not how Satan's going to attack you, is it? Because you wouldn't care. Satan attacks you where he knows there's a vulnerability or a weakness. Sometimes it's here. Sometimes it's elsewhere. Maybe it's an obsessive nature. Maybe it's greed. Maybe it's guilt. Maybe it's jealousy. Maybe it's vanity. Maybe it's lust. He targets your weakness. And if there is a mental illness, Satan and his forces will capitalize on that to afflict you. Be aware of it. Because being aware is much of the beginning of the solution. If we're aware of it, then we can do something about it. Another point I want to make out of this man's experience, and we've got to get to rolling. Have you ever known someone with a preoccupation with death and dead bodies? You walk into the room and there's pictures of skulls and skeletons and death and graves and tombs, and it looks like Halloween, but it's like July 2nd. Might we be cautious of being preoccupied with death? Where might the root be when we're preoccupied with skulls and skeletons? You ever see somebody with skeletons all over their their body as they've been tattooed and covered with images of things that are horrific? All right, so, so that's not being judgmental. You understand, horrific, the root is horror. That's a genre of television, of movies that were popular in the 80s when I was a little kid. And you go back and you watch them, you're like, why was that even scary? This is dumb. This is just stupid. But the root there, horrific, horror, skulls and death and, and stuff like that. What might be the root if I'm obsessed with that? It's probably not the Lord, is it? The root's probably not something healthy. Now, let me be very, very sympathetic and careful the way I approach the, the next thing that we talk about. One of the things that Legion does, just to be upfront with it, is self-harm. Did you notice that from Mark chapter 5? He cuts himself. First time I learned of somebody doing that, I didn't know that it was a thing, and this was in high school. And there was a girl who was many times troubled and... People noticed little cuts all over her legs and her arms where the shirt would cover it. And it came out, she began to, to confess her struggles with cutting herself. That seems to affect young ladies more than it does young men. Young ladies don't cut yourself. See, what happens is when you do that, the body releases endorphins and you get a little bit of a high from doing that. Don't do that. You are made in God's image. You are beloved. You are special. God loves you. We love you. I love you. Don't self-harm. Some of the most tragic things that happen in the lives of 
friends here and there is when a family member, a beloved one, takes their own life. Let me tell you, I would rather listen to you weep over the problems that you experience than to weep for the rest of my life because you're not here. If you ever feel compelled to do things like that, come talk. Get help. There's hotlines. I think 988, they just changed the number from the, you know, infinitely long number to call to something simple. If you're ever dealing with that, there is help. Get help. Not only from a physical perspective, but a spiritual perspective. Talk to a doctor. Talk to your pastor. Talk to a counselor. Get help. We love you. We'll listen. Where do you think the root of self-harm is? It's not the Lord. It's not holiness, not righteousness. It's not that which is wholesome. Satan is a murderer. He likes hurting people. He likes hurting you. And if he can't hurt you, if he can get you to hurt yourself, he will. Again, knowing is part of the battle. Verse 28 and verse 29. Let's get to the good part of the story, the happy part of the story. He sees Jesus and he cries out. He fell down before him and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. Again, if you think for a moment that the devils have any sort of equal power with Jesus, you are mistaken. What does this devil say? And this isn't but a devil, as we'll see in a moment. It's a legion of devils. This man is called legion because of the legion of devils that afflict him. And a legion, legion is a Latin word, a military term for the Roman military that had reference to more than 6,000 soldiers. How many demons had afflicted this man? Thousands. And yet all of them in their power as they see the Son of God, begin to beg the Son of God, we beg you, torment us not, torment me not. You know, according to the book of James chapter 2 and verse 19, the devils believe and tremble. It really speaks to the foolish condition of atheism, doesn't it? If the devils believe and tremble then certainly it is true that the psalmist wrote in the 14th Psalm in the first verse of that psalm, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Devils are not atheistic. They know who created them, and they know who will judge them. They cry, oh, afflict us not before our time comes. Jesus had commanded this unclean spirit to come out of the man... And look in verse 30. He asks, what is thy name? The man says, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. This man had come to be known as Legion. I don't believe his mama named him that when he was born. But this is something he had come to be called because of his great affliction. Many devils were entered into him. And they, the angels, besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. Now, when I was a young preacher and I read that, Going into the deep, I interpreted as the Sea of Galilee, the deep of the water. And there are people that interpret it that way. But this word deep actually translates from avisos, from which we get the word abyss. And so the word abyss in English 
literally comes from this Greek word for the deep, and it means, in the Greek language, the same thing it means in the English language, abyss, it means bottomless, bottomless, without end. What this has reference to is the bottomless pit from Revelation. You see, the angels that sinned in the beginning of time with Satan, many of them, now obviously there are some still out here because they're, I believe, the devils that are afflicting this man. The angels that sinned are cast into the bottomless pit where they are reserved in chains in everlasting darkness under the judgment at the end of time. Everlasting darkness. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Chains of darkness. Preacher friend and I were talking about that last night as I was just mentioning some of the things that I would, had studied yesterday about this passage. The thought of divine judgment is terrifying. But what is more terrifying than darkness? The affliction that God will send upon the wicked, the devil and his angels, might be in sheer torment with no grace, no compassion, no end, and at the same time, no light. Complete darkness. You're ever outside in the middle of the night and suddenly you're, you're terrified and you're afraid? Imagine in God's wrath in complete darkness. It was so... It was such a thought that I didn't want to think about it anymore. I don't want to think about it. They begged Jesus not to be cast into the deep or the abyss, the bottomless pit. In Revelation, when the crazy things happen, the bottomless pit opens and things come out of it. Go look up the term bottomless pit and pit and things such as that. It's interesting. It's mysterious. We know less than we know, and what little we know makes us marvel more. But these devils ask not to be cast into the abyss. In other words, don't please send us to hell before our time. These devils know that in a moment Jesus could expel them from the earth into the bottomless pit where they too would be reserved in chains of darkness under the coming of the Lord. Now, I want you to notice that Jesus here does not see what we see. He doesn't see this man as terrifying. He doesn't view this man as dirty. He doesn't view this man as unclean. He doesn't view him as crazy and wild and in need of being avoided. He doesn't see him as scarred. He does see him as afflicted. But Jesus sees this man as his child. He sees this man in love. You and I have problems in our lives. Amen? We struggle with sin. Every single one of us struggles with issues. And sometimes we think, Lord, you've got to be done with me forever. Jesus doesn't look at this man and see this man's trouble. He looks at this man. He views this man in love. He sees him as his child. And he does whatever it takes for this man to be restored. Now, in reference to this affliction, all it simply takes is Jesus speaking and the devils are expelled. But I want you to know that that is exactly how Jesus saw each and every one of you. A child in love that is afflicted and tormented 
who is full of the scars of his own self-harm. And yet, Jesus came to this world to suffer and to die because he looked at you like he looked at this man, not the way others would look at you who think themselves religious, but he looked at you and he loved you and he did whatever it took to save you. And whatever it took was for him to pay the penalty that you and I deserve upon the cross, taking our sinfulness on him and dying, suffering the penalty of death, giving unto us his righteousness. If you've ever struggled with things such as mental illness of any sort or any abuse, any trouble, any addiction, any sin, I want you to understand that the way Jesus sees you is as a child, as a sheep, and the way God the Father sees you is as if you are as innocent, upright, and holy as his Son, Jesus Christ. We might be tempted to avoid this man. Jesus goes directly to his trouble. Jesus asks him, what's your name? My name's Legion. We've already commented on that word. These devils ask not to be sent into the abyss, and so Jesus sends them into swine. These swine, these pigs, makes you wonder, Jesus goes to a Jewish audience, the lost sheep of the house of Israel, before he sends anyone to Gentiles. We presume these are all Jews. What are they doing raising swine? These are unclean beasts. Maybe they're unclean for us, but we sell them to Gentiles. He sends them into the swine. The swine run down the side of this hill into the sea, and they are drowned. By the way, which shows us that we, being made in the image of God, but especially we as his children, have a higher place in terms of worth than animals, albeit animals having a place of worth too. When Nineveh spared, one of the things that is good is that many cattle didn't perish. A righteous man, according to the Proverbs, regards the life of his beast. But you're more important than animals. You're more important than animals. These devils are cast into swine. The swine rush into the water and are drowned. What of legion? The devils go out of the man and entered into the swine. They run violently down a steep place into the lake and are choked. These people that witnessed it, that fed the swine, went into the city and told everybody what happened. People come from the city to go see what was done. They come to Jesus and listen. They found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed. Remember, he was naked before. In his right mind, and they were afraid. What has happened? They which saw it told them by what means... He that was possessed of the devils was healed, and the means was simply the voice of the Son of God. Now, if you and I had seen that, we'd probably be like, I want to spend some time with this Jesus. That's exactly what the wild Gadarene is doing. But the people here actually are so afraid, verse 37, the whole multitude besought him to depart. They asked him to leave. The next thing that happens... This man, this wild gathering, says what we would say. 
Lord, let me come with you. He besought him that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away to his own house. And so number three, this man goes and he does as Jesus tells him, return to thine own house and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way and he published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. Notice what happens as it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him for they were all waiting for him. To me, this is a beloved story. It's a true story. It happened. This man goes and he blazes abroad what Jesus had done. And Jesus tells him, go to your family, go to your friends, go tell everyone what God has done for you. Blaze it abroad, the blessings of God in your life. I'm going to give you three applications of this in brief, in closing. As we've already emphasized, God sees us in Christ, not in our sin. And praise God, he's the only thing that can help. Number two in this story, we're really legion. If there was anybody that you found semblance with in this story, it's legion. Why? Because you and I were dead in trespasses and in sins. We were in the tomb of death and separation from Christ. And Jesus, by speaking to us, has quickened us when we were dead and caused us to sit at his feet, clothed in his righteousness, in our right mind, the laws of God being written upon our heart and our mind. We are living examples of legion. Number three, this is a great picture of evangelism. What do you do in evangelism? Go tell people what Jesus has done for you. It's that simple. I was dead, and now I'm alive. Oh, our preacher, he, he talks about this theology and this and that and you know, justification, sanctification, predestination. But I know what Jesus has done for me. I know that I used to be this way, but now I'm like this. And I'm still at times a mess, but praise God, he loves me anyway. And he's got such a hold of me, he's not going to turn me loose. Do you feel that way? Go tell that to the people in your life. Go share that with folks that are struggling. Today's message might be one that you share with your friends and your family. This passage ends with Jesus returning, and guess what everyone's doing? They're waiting on him to come back. You know what we do when we tell people about this Jesus that we love? We round them up with us where they too gather and wait for the return of Jesus. Are you waiting for the return of Jesus? Would to God that more of his children were actively waiting. May we go tell our friends and our family, those that we love, about what God has done for us as we are people like Legion, so that more people will be here at Flint River waiting on Jesus to return. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this moving story. It's interesting. It's encouraging. It piques our curiosity. It's fascinating, but... Lord, the, the thing about it that moves us the most is that the rest of society had passed on from this man, and yet you travel across the sea just to go to where he's at. You cast the devils out of him. You heal him. 
You clothe him, you put him in his right mind, and there he is as a disciple sitting at your feet, just like us. We pray, Father, that we would do as legion, that we would go and we would tell everyone the good things that you've done for us. We pray, Father, that we could gather more and more into this house, that they too would be here waiting for the return of your son Jesus to this world as they were waiting for Jesus to return from the other side of Galilee. And we know, Father, that it seems like an amazing thing to us, but to you, returning to this world and delivering us all when it is your will is no more difficult than it is to sail across the little sea of Galilee in a ship. Lord, forgive us of our sins and help us to go out from this place publishing what God has done for us. We pray in Jesus' name, and together we say, Amen. If you enjoy the messages you hear on Words of Grace, consider this your invitation to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. Copies of this and other broadcasts are available for download on iTunes and on our website. Address your correspondence to Words of Grace Radio, 641 Moontown Road, Brownsboro, Alabama, 35741, or visit us online at flintriverpbc.org.